Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Hello everyone and welcome to African Family Firm's Phoenix Conference, celebrating and championing women in family business. Um, we have Jessica Espinoza um, speaking on gender lens investing. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's great to have you. Thank you so much. It's really great to be here. So I'm going to share my screen. I hope you can all see it. Yes. Great. So my keynote today focuses on the journey of gender lens investing, and I'll be sharing it specifically from the perspective of the 2X Challenge, now the 2X Collaborative, and our journey in gender lens investing, and then taking it to kind of an outlook perspective of how this can benefit entrepreneurs on the African continent and beyond. So our uh, 2X journey started at the G7 Summit in 2018 as a collective commitment by the development finance institutions of initially the G7 countries to invest in women, invest in the world. That was our mission. And our institutions at the time committed to invest and mobilize at least $3 billion with a gender lens by the end of 2020. Um, So you can imagine the G7 stage with our CEOs all there together and making this bold commitment. It's important to remember that at that time, there wasn't really uh, a definition of gender lens investing, at least not specifically um, in the development finance space related to the private sector in emerging markets. And so uh, it was uh, at the time really perceived as a challenge and uh, it wasn't clear if we were able to meet that goal. So let me show you what uh, kind of the rationale was at the time and still is today. So why are investors so keen on this opportunity of gender lens investing? Um, Here are four stats that should keep investors up at night and that uh, everybody in the gender lens investing space is very excited about. Um, First, if we look at entrepreneurship, uh, data shows that companies founded by women deliver twice as much uh, revenue per dollar invested. And yet there's a significant uh, financing gap for women-founded, women-owned and women-led businesses globally. So in emerging markets alone, as you may know, the funding gap is 1.7 trillion US dollars. That was uh, calculated before COVID and considering the impact of COVID, uh, it has just gotten worse. So um, in a nutshell, uh, the women's market or women entrepreneurs are significantly underfunded. And there's a significant funding gap. Um, but interestingly, those that get funded deliver much higher revenue per dollar invested. So really making the business case for investing in those businesses. Then when we look at leadership, gender balanced leadership teams in private equity generate a 20% higher net IRR. That's uh, the finding of a recent IFC and Oliver Wyman study. So again, showing that, um, you know, although... Uh, most uh, leadership teams in private equity are very um, male-dominated and not gender-balanced yet. There's a significant business case and an opportunity uh, for having more balanced leadership, not only because it's the right thing to do, but also because there, there are, you know, there is a strong business case. 
Looking at employment, uh, you're probably by now all familiar with this famous McKinsey study that calculated that closing the gender gap in the labor force would boost global GDP by 28 trillion by the year 2025. That is more than the economies of China and the US combined. And that's why we also often hear that the women's market is the largest emerging markets because it's such a big opportunity if we focus on gender equality. And then finally, products and services. Um, we know today that uh, 65% of household purchasing decisions are made by women. Women control $40 trillion of global consumer spending. And yet uh, they are rarely taken into account when products and services are designed. So again, a huge opportunity for focusing uh, on women as, as consumers and decision makers as well. Now, um, I mentioned at the G7 summit, we had this collective commitment to invest at least $3 billion. Since then, a lot has happened. And you can see the timeline here on the, the right-hand side. So started in 2018, initially as a commitment by the members of the G7 countries, sorry, the, the development finance institutions of the G7 countries. And you can see them here. Then in 2019, we had uh, many other DFIs join us in the stern commitment. And by the end of 2020, now kind of coming to this timeline that we had set ourselves, we significantly surpassed the original uh, $3 billion target. And we ourselves, so the DFIs themselves, had invested $6.9 billion. And if we also count co-investments and the mobilization effect, the total stood at $11.4 billion. So that was a significant um, yeah, momentum and milestone and, and celebration in the field. Um, because as you can see here, that was also exactly the time when, when COVID hit. And so um, 2020 was a particularly strong year for the 2X challenge. And we, we saw a very strong pipeline of gender lens opportunities and were able to like much of this uh, total was actually invested and mobilized in the COVID year. So um, kind of building on this momentum in 2021, we brought on board uh, more member institutions in the 2X challenge. Here you can see the IFC, the ADB, the EBRD, OEB um, and MIGA. And for the second round um, Beyond 2020, we defined a new collective target of 15 billion that was announced at the G7 summit last year in 2021. And the ambition is to get to that level in just two years. So just 2021, 2022. Now let's take a look at um, kind of where that capital went. Um, the 2X challenge, because it was uh, launched and started as a commitment by the development finance institutions, where the capital goes also very much mirrors where these DFIs are investing. And as you can see here, um, there's a very strong focus on the African continent. Um, if we look at the just the volume, uh, the leading region is Latin America and Caribbean, where most of the capital went. But if we actually look at the number of investment projects that got financed, um, I think uh, Africa is actually on par with Latin America, if not even the, the leading region. So um, in terms of number of projects, there was a very strong focus on African investment opportunities. Now, how do we look at gender lens investing? I mentioned initially that at the time when we made the announcement, there wasn't really an investment framework or a clear definition or criteria for gender lens investing. So 
in the very early days, as we got started, we developed a framework for investing um, with a gender lens towards gender equality. And we identified opportunities along the value chain. And as you may see, what I'm kind of showing here is the tracks criteria very much mirrors what I showed earlier in terms of the investment opportunity. So we're looking at entrepreneurship. And for simplicity, I'm just highlighting the main categories here. But underneath each of these uh, criteria, there are very specific and measurable impact metrics. So entrepreneurship, um, they were looking at businesses owned and founded by women. Then leadership, um, representation of women in senior management and on the board. In employment, we have the, we have two criteria or two underlying metrics. One is women's share among the employees. And the second uh, factor is a quality indicator, which also looks at policies and practices in these businesses that um, meaningfully promote gender equality and women's career advancement. So also paying attention to the quality of jobs. Then the fourth criterion is consumption. So that is products and services that have a specific gender lens so that um, contribute to women's economic empowerment. And then the fifth criterion, that is when the DFIs or other big investors uh, allocate capital to financial intermediaries such as local finance, financial institutions or funds that in turn invest or lend to local businesses. And in that case, we're looking at the criteria one to four, both at the level of the financial institution and at the level of the portfolio company. Um, initially uh, developed kind of for the purpose of the 2x challenge and our own investment practices, these criteria have quickly become a global industry standard for gender lens investing. And they have been um, integrated in major frameworks such as the Iris Plus uh, framework that many of you are probably familiar with of the Global Impact Investing uh, Network, GEN. And Iris Plus is a common uh, framework for impact management and measurement. So the 2X indicators were integrated into that existing framework. Then HIPSO, that's the private sector harmonized indicators uh, initiative, uh, also harmonized with that one. And with the UN Women's Webs and the OECDAC gender marker. So by um, promoting this harmonization and integration, the 2X criteria have quickly become um, this industry standard for gender lens investing. That is now used as a framework not only by the 2X members, but also by a lot of other investors and investee companies. Building on this momentum, so I just mentioned our original target in the 2X challenge was significantly surpassed. Uh, we gave ourselves the challenge to invest and mobilize 3 billion and we ended up with 11.4 billion. So um, that in itself created a lot of momentum in the market and a lot of interest from the spectrum of investors and capital providers and mobilizers to join the 2X challenge. So building on that momentum and opening it up to the broad spectrum of investors, we launched the 2X Collaborative as a global industry body fund for gender lens investing that is now convening the entire spectrum of capital providers and mobilizers. And the 2X Collaborative was launched at the UN Generation Equality Forum last year in partnership with Gender Smart and ILN, the Investor Leadership Network of Global Pension Funds. And the key idea here or the objective is 
to to have a structured network with a membership that is open, as I mentioned, to the full spectrum of capital providers and mobilizers globally, uh, to have a unique platform for deal pipeline, for peer learning, for shared tools, and to serve as a one-stop shop for gender lens investing. The Turks Collaborative formally started operations in January and has uh, just yesterday on the occasion of International Women's Day, we have announced the next round of members. Um, here you can see uh, the full membership. And um, in fact, uh, just uh, yesterday, we added more logos to that with our announcement. So I encourage you to take a look at the 2X Collaborative uh, website, 2xcollaborative.org. Uh, to check out the latest logo wall with all of the new members and our press release announcing the latest members. However, as you can already see here, we have um, quite a number of new members from the private sector. So we have Portland Private Equity, for example, um, a leading general lens investing uh, fund manager in the Caribbean. Uh, we have Citi as one of the big banks that was on board from the uh, early days, so from the announcement at the Generation Equality Forum, um, and a number of other uh, investors and names that you're probably remembering here. Uh, yesterday, we also announced Triple Jump as, as the latest member joining. So it's it's exciting to see the traction and all of these diverse players coming to join the the Two X Collaborative and being part of this general lens investing movement. I mentioned that the Two X Collaborative is a structured network. So how it works in practice is that we have these different peer groups, right? So we have TFIs, MDBs, pension funds, asset managers, family offices, fund managers, financial institutions, corporates with uh, GLI activities, and public development banks. And they are organized in their peer groups uh, for peer, peer learning, uh, working together on investment deals with a gender lens, learning from each other what works, what doesn't work, where are still untapped opportunities, how we can, can we pursue them together. Then we also have networks around sector interests. So for example, the diverse investors that are interested in agriculture in Africa or in, uh, you know, in energy or in infrastructure, manufacturing, tech, they also have their sector-specific networks where they engage, again, on peer learning, joint tools, investment practices, um, co-investment opportunities uh, tailored to that particular sector and geographic interest. And then we have a range of communities of practice that are driven by members' demand that focus on thematic areas such as gender and climate finance, impact management and measurement. Uh, we have financial and digital inclusion, broader uh, diversity, uh, so beyond gender, value chain finance. So a lot of um, interesting kind of thematic networks where our members engage. Let me show you in practice what it looks like. Uh, for instance, our gender and climate finance task force uh, last year collaborated together to co-create a toolkit for gender smart climate finance. So that toolkit looks at opportunities of how we can leverage gender lens investing and climate finance for investment opportunities at this nexus of gender and climate. And that toolkit was launched at COP26, which was a very exciting opportunity. We launched it together. Um, here in the picture, you can see uh, Prudence from um, Zambia, one of the leading entrepreneurs and, and businesswomen and also climate activists and very active in gender lens investing. 
And so it was exciting to see the traction that this toolkit and, and in general, the topic of gender lens investing and gender smart climate finance um, had at COP26. This toolkit uh, consists of 11 specific uh, guides and case studies and, and basically are toolboxes, uh, such as manufacturing, water supply, financial services, energy, agriculture, and also thematic areas like mitigation, biodiversity, adaptation. So that is just one example of, you know, how we do GLI in practice and how these communities of practice collaborate under the 2X Collaborative uh, to engage in peer learning, shared development of tools, and are really moving the needle on gender lens investing. This toolkit, and you can see the link here, is, is available for free on our website. Coming up next, I just wanted to include this uh, quick um, sneak preview of what's coming up because I think we have a lot of entrepreneurs in the audience who are probably interested in how they can get to, connected to gender lens uh, opportunities and especially investors. So we are um, partnering with Equilo to develop um, uh, essentially an investment platform and a matchmaking platform where companies that are aligned with the 2X criteria and have a strong gender focus can um, register their profile. And similarly, investors that are looking for gender lens investment opportunities and are active, especially our 2X collaborative members, but potentially also others, um, can register. And it's, a, it's an intelligent matchmaking where the platforms and algorithm directly matches the investor interest uh, or investment criteria to the pipeline of potential investees. And what's especially exciting about this that is that we go, of course, we want to see alignment with the 2X criteria, but we also have certain tags on thematic areas, such as climate or care economy, or broader diversity and inclusion um, in an African context, for example, especially also paying attention to indigenous businesses, um, to, yeah, companies that are innovating in their sector. So there's a lot of, you know, kind of additional thematic tags uh, that we can add for smart matchmaking. And that way we hope to really show the opportunity of the investable pipeline and connect these opportunities with investors that are leading the field of gender lens investing. And with that, thank you so much for um, joining us today and for your attention. Um, I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. And of course, also always available for further questions and follow-ups. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jessica. It was a really insightful um, presentation. And just thinking through gender lens investing and in your view, what's the most effective way to really push the needle um, to see greater, greater capital being deployed to um, female-led businesses or businesses that empower women? Yeah, so a few things that come to mind. One is uh, really the intentionality. So, you know, not just to, um, it's great to add a gender lens to the way we've always done business, but there's um, an opportunity to really think about more innovative approaches. So, for example, if you think about new partnerships of bringing together those that have the capital with those um, accelerators and business support networks that have advisory, right, or mentoring or digital platforms for um, sales channels and so on. So really leveraging those partnerships, I think, is very powerful. Then also being intentional on how we design 
products, you know, not only in terms of, say, end products like energy, uh, but also how we design our financial products, our investment products. So what are the right criteria? Especially um, in an African context, we see that uh, women, women entrepreneurs are predominantly represented in the SME space or in the SGBs, right? The small and growing businesses and not so much in the big corporate space. And that is, you know, it's not because they can't get to that level. Of course they can, and hopefully they will soon, but because of historic inequalities, they just, you know, their businesses are currently smaller because they've had uh, harder access to finance and support. And they are also um, typically more early stage. So a lot of the traditional investment criteria are still focusing on larger corporates or on later stage businesses. And so investment criteria or financing criteria that are presumably, you know, gender neutral, they actually have a very different impact. So I think one important lesson is that if we really want to move the needle and support um, women entrepreneurs, we also have to reflect on our investment and financing criteria and tailor our own offerings uh, to those to that market need, which leads me to the next um, kind of recommendation or insight. They have very interesting local capital providers. So these can be diverse local fund managers, you know, like either women led or uh, led by a mixed team. And they are really locally rooted in their communities. They have set up either funds or investment vehicles or alternative uh, capital provider structures uh, tailored to the market demand, right? To those indigenous businesses that are often either women-led or that are gender smart in the sense that they employ, for example, women or have women suppliers. Uh, but they are currently not attracting the same level of funding as, for example, the big private equity funds that are typically not very diverse. So I think also focusing on the opportunities of these more diverse intermediaries that are, you know, kind of also African representatives that really know the market that are currently themselves experiencing a funding gap, I think that's a big opportunity as well. Yeah, I was going to touch on that and ask you about asset allocators themselves and um, investment funds and things. Um, I was, excuse me, I was at an event yesterday for International Women's Day and this um, topic came up inevitably. And there was a lot of conversation about the only way we can mobilize more capital to female founded businesses is for females themselves to invest more. And just wanted to know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think, I think that is, you know, that is the biggest, um, I think the biggest reason ultimately, because uh, everybody has been looking traditionally at capital allocation from financial intermediaries, such as fund managers to the entrepreneurs and in, you know, in research, it's well documented that there's, you have um, gender bias, you have racial bias, you have other types of bias. But what is actually interesting is that if you look at the capital allocators that invest in these intermediaries that allocate capital to the fund managers. And so these capital allocators would be DFIs or pension funds or other institutional investors or family offices or also high net worth individuals. Um, you see the same kind of bias perpetuated. So if, you know, at the fund manager level, you actually have that diversity that you want to see. So you have, you know, women in investment decision making, you have more diversity and representation. They also struggle to attract funding from the capital allocators. So I I think we need to, you know, change the face of capital at all levels. 
uh, to really level the playing field for women entrepreneurs and for gender smart SMEs by ensuring that women are represented in financial decision making at those intermediate levels, so fund managers and alternative capital providers. And, you know, in Africa, there are also really interesting structures like investment clubs or revenue-based finance models. Um, and then also on the side of those big allocators that are allocating to the intermediaries and also make sure that women are represented there so that we can overcome those structural biases. Thank you for that. And as you look into the future, what do you see in this space? Um, what, how do you see the needle being moved? Uh, so again, I see, you know, kind of a whole range of opportunities. For me, the biggest lever is, in fact, what we just mentioned, you know, having more women in financial decision making and investment decision in investor roles and, and to allocate more consciously to these intermediaries that have the innovation and the models and the strategies that work in a local context and for small businesses or small and growing businesses. And at the same time, I also see very interesting approaches by some of the impact-driven but well-established um, you know, fund managers or investors in the region. For example, we've been collaborating with Renew, um, who you may know based in Ethiopia, that are working with SMEs and also with other local fund managers. And they have been developing a really interesting playbook for fund managers and one for SMEs on how to incorporate a gender lens into, you know, into the core business of the SME. So how management works, how um, sales and marketing works, how uh, HR management. So really the whole, all business areas or all areas of the SME and, and how you can be gender smart about those. So instead of having gender somewhere on the side or impact somewhere on the side, it's, it's really incorporated. And I think these kind of toolkits can really help move the needle because they make it very tangible and they show you how you can do it in your everyday practices, in your strategy, in your operations. I think that's that's also a key lever that I see. Excellent. I'm just thinking through um, the companies that ultimately you'll be seeking to invest in. Can you tell us a little bit more um, about their sizes, the kind of profiles, uh, what you're looking for and how you, you're seeking to um, essentially the deal flow on that end? Yeah, so the, the 2X Collaborative itself is currently not an investor. We are um, a network or an industry body of all those investors. And so with the platform, for example, that I just mentioned, the idea is to leverage our investors that are uh, actively looking for opportunities in gender lens investing, mapping their criteria, and then at the same time, having this pipeline that, you know, is, is brought to us either directly, we receive a lot of um, pitch decks and opportunities or through local partners, such as, um, for example, Manufacturing Africa, who've been bringing us pipeline. And to now, in a, in a smarter tech-enabled way, match those that are looking for funding. And again, you know, based on the ticket size that they need, the sector where they're in, the type of capital or support that they're looking for, and matching that to the criteria of our members and the investors. And so, to, to, you know, to your question, what are we looking for? I think in the past, under the 2X challenge, it has been very much 
uh, shaped by how the DFIs invest. So the sector priorities they have, the ticket size opportunities, the commercial terms. Mm -hmm. But now that the GX Collaborative is opening up, we also have, for, you know, for example, Renew, who I just mentioned, is also a member. And so we also have a lot of intermediaries. We have fund managers, smaller impact-driven investors, larger ones. Uh, city social finance is focusing on, on social enterprise. So there's also much more diversity now on the investor side. And so we will have hopefully, you know, as the network grows and also the pipeline grows, we hope to have much more positive matches by increasing the spectrum of investors and of investable opportunities. Amazing. And um, obviously we're family business, family office community. Um, many are passionate about gender um, empowerment, gender equality. How can we support your work? Or if anyone so, in the community is passionate and wants to support you, what's your ask? Great. Yeah, great question. I think it would it would in general be interesting to continue this dialogue, also to learn more about the type of work of, of these family businesses. I could imagine that, um, you know, that there might be an opportunity again for matchmaking with investors. And I could imagine that perhaps as, as family businesses, they are less interested in venture capital or private equity because they want to uh, preserve ownership. So I think it would be interesting to also learn more about their financing or other support needs and whether, for example, um, revenue-based finance or debt finance would be more interesting for them and, and to see if we can match them. Beyond that, I think a lot of the tools such as this uh, playbook for SMEs that I mentioned that Renew has been developing with our support is, um, I think, a great practical tool that family businesses can also incorporate as they do succession planning or as they think about um, how they want to recruit talent, how, how they want to source from other SMEs. Uh, I think there are a lot of opportunities to also focus on capacity building and uh, supporting them to tap into, you know, the business case and the impact case of, of gender equality and show very practically how it can work. And then the other thing that we really want to do under the Czechs Collaborative is to not only facilitate peer learning among the investors and capital providers, but also among the, the companies, right? So the investees or the clients um, who are ultimately being financed through GenderLens Investing and who are creating the impact so that they can also learn from each other of what works well and network um, either with peers in their own geography or potentially also across regions to get inspired from others. Thank you so much, Jessica. This has been really, really informative. If anyone would like to get hold of you, learn more about your work, how best can they reach you? So you're welcome um, to um, no, either connect on on LinkedIn. Um, I had uh, on the slide, if you if you watch the recording, you can see it. I had it up there. Um, but it, I'm easy to find Jessica Spinoza. <laughs> you should be able to find me on, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And then, of course, you can also reach out directly by email, jessica.espinosa at 2xcollaborative.org. Uh, so always happy to connect. And yeah, thank you so much for the invitation really excited about this conference and looking forward to further exploring opportunities for collaboration. Yes, likewise. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for joining in. Um, you're welcome to join us in our final session for the conference, which will be in 20 minutes. So thank you so much and see you soon. Take care, everyone. Thanks, everybody.